0: Hello and welcome to Annual Reviews Audio, part of the conversation series from Annual Reviews, where insightful research begins. I'm your host, Anna Rasquad-Paz. In each episode of our show, we feature top scientists in fields ranging from astrophysics to sociology. Today we present a lecture by Philip Benfey, professor of biology at Duke University, director of the Duke Center for Systems Biology, and contributing author of the 2012 Annual Review of Plant Biology. In this lecture, he discusses his review article, titled Control of Arabidopsis Root Development. Professor Benfey specializes in root development, transcriptional networks, cell expansion, and cell-to-cell signaling. He was named a Fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science in 2004, and he was elected to the National Academy of Sciences in 2010. In 2007, he founded the company Grassroots Biotechnology, which uses systems biology to develop new crop traits for the bioenergy, food, and industrial markets.
1: My name is Philip Benfey. I'm a professor of biology at Duke University. We actually work on plant roots. The way I got interested in plant roots was during my postdoctoral studies with Nam Hai at the Rockefeller University. What I was doing was dissecting the 35S promoter from cauliflower mosaic virus. This happens to be the workhorse of promoters used in the agricultural biotechnology industry. And what I did was I cut it into little pieces and put those pieces back into plants driving a, a reporter gene. And discovered that the reason this was a strong constitutive promoter was it was made up of little pieces that each drove expression in a different tissue at a different time. Now, what I was particularly struck by was when I started to look at the expression in roots and I saw that, in fact, roots represented a very simple developmental system. Why is that? Well, because the the way the root is organized is it has different tissues organized as concentric cylinders of tissues, one inside the other, such that if you draw a ray from the center out, you actually hit all of the different tissues. The other great simplifying aspect of the root is that there is a stem cell center at the tip of the root from which all of the cells of the root are formed. And the way that works is that, for example, the the stem cell that gives rise to the endodermis and cortex, it it divides first in a transverse orientation. Then the daughter cell divides in the longitudinal orientation to give those first two cells. And it does this over and over again. Now, what what, um, we did then was do a genetic screen for alterations in root development. The screen was a very simple one. We, we, we looked for uh, mutants that, had, that were either shorter or fatter. Now among the short roots that we found were, were a set of, of plants that when we looked at them more closely, we, we realized that one of those concentric cylinders was actually missing, perhaps the reason that it was actually shorter. Uh, the first one we named a very unimaginatively short root. But the second one, after we realized that it was missing one of those cell layers, we called it Scarecrow, after the Wizard of Oz character for the the, the one that was missing the brain. Now, Shortroot and Scarecrow, we characterized them in depth, and we cloned the genes, realized that they were actually members of a similar gene family, the same gene family. And then the real surprise came. So we looked at the expression pattern, what the RNA made from these genes, how that was distributed in those different tissue layers. And we saw with scarecrow, it is actually pretty close to what we, we expected. That is, it was expressed right in that stem cell prior to the division, the longitudinal division, and then only in the endodermal layer after that division. So that was, it was very specific, and, and it made sense. Short root, on the other hand, was expressed only in the central vascular tissue, not in that adjacent tissue where it had to control the, the, the division and had to be involved in specifying that cell, cell layer. So we said, well, what's going on here? Then we looked at the protein expression for short root, and there we saw, quite surprisingly and nicely, that the protein was distributed both, both in the vascular tissue and in that adjacent layer. What was happening here was that the protein was physically moving from the internal tissue where it was made to the adjacent tissue. Later work showed that, that, that short root and scarecrow formed a complex, they, they bonded together, and together they bound to the, the promoter of the scarecrow gene and other downstream genes. Now, when they bound to the scarecrow gene, what happened was they formed a feedback loop, positive feedback loop, generating lots more scarecrow. And then together, scarecrow and root turned on another set of genes. Among that other set of genes, very recent work has shown, we've shown that it turns on a component of the cell cycle. This was also a surprise because there are many cells that are dividing, some of them asymmetrically the way that that stem cell does, others, not so much, others symmetrically. But why are these two developmental regulators, short root and scarecrow, specifically binding to one component of the cell cycle, machinery, a cyclin D6? Well, the answer came when we looked at the expression of this cyclin D6. It is expressed, actually, specifically in that stem cell, in that stem cell just before it divides asymmetrically to give the first two cells of the endodermis and cortex. And when we put it back into a mutant that was missing short root, it was able to get that division all on its own. So we have here two developmental regulators, short root and scarecrow. Short root moves from where it's made, physically binds to scarecrow. Together they go into there in the nucleus, they turn on cyclin D6, as well as getting a, a feedback loop to produce more scarecrow. That cyclin D6 is involved in getting the asymmetric division. Now this work made us really aware of these differences between the different cell layers, between those different concentric cylinders. And we wondered as new technology came on board, that is new technology based on whole genomes, being able to look at the whole genome, genome-wide analysis, we wondered whether we, there was a way that we could understand the expression of all the genes that were expressed in these different concentric cylinders. And we developed a way, this was worked by Ken Birnbaum initially and then by Siobhan Brady. What they did was they took green fluorescent protein, It's it's a protein that will fluoresce green when it's excited by a laser, fused it to a promoter that was highly specific to one cell type, for example, the scarecrow promoter, and then enzymatically digested the cell walls, passed those cells through what's called a fluorescence-activated cell sorter, and then collected just the cells that were expressing the green fluorescent protein. So in the case of scarecrow, just the endodermal cells. Then they extracted RNA from them, used that RNA to hybridize to microarrays, where you can look at almost all of the genes in the genome. And what they found was dramatic differences between those different cell layers, uh, so much so that, that it was striking how different any two layers, when we co- compared them, were. After that, we asked the question, well, what happens if a plant is, is subjected to a stress, for example, high salt? We know that plants are exquisitely sensitive to abiotic stresses like salt, high salt, low pH, etc., And so we wondered what would happen at the level of individual cell types. What we discovered was indeed that there were dramatic differences that were highly cell type specific between when we, we subjected the plants to either high salt, low pH, low sulfur, or low iron. We also used the same technique of dissociating the cells, sorting the green cells from the other cells to look at uh, the level of different proteins, level of different uh, metabolites, and the level of different small RNAs, like microRNAs. Now, when we wanted to look a whole genome-wide at what was happening along the longitudinal axis, that is, what's happening as those stem cells mature, as they, as they produce their initial progeny, those progeny go through rapid cell division, they expand, and then they, they eventually differentiate. And for that, we couldn't really sort the cells. We didn't have markers for all those stages. So instead, we cut a single root into a lot of different pieces, each piece being a different stage along that differentiation pathway. And to use those individual pieces from single roots uh, to, to produce RNA for microarrays. Now here the surprise was that what we found were a set of genes that were turning on early in development, turning off, then turning back on at a later stage of development. We normally think of development as a progressive unidirectional process, not a repetitive process. Think of an embryo growing in the womb. So we wondered what sort of process could be occurring in the root that would be repetitive. We looked at roots. This was in the plant Arabidopsis. We noticed that the lateral roots, the branching roots, came off sort of what appeared to be very evenly spaced uh, sections, so suggesting that this might be a periodic process. But then we went to the textbooks, and the textbook said it's not a periodic process. What is happening is that there is a random induction of a root, of a branch root, and then as it starts to form, it sends a signal up the root and down the root to prevent another branch root from being close by it. And so what appears to be a periodic process, according to the textbooks, was actually the product of, a, of an initial random event and then lateral inhibition above and below it. Well, there was some, uh, a, a, a report from Tom Beekman's lab, who works in Ghent, Belgium, and his graduate student, uh, Yves Desmet, that suggested that maybe there was some periodic process involved in lateral root formation. They used a, a particular reporter gene, something called DR5, and they noticed that there seemed to be some sort of a periodic gene expression occurring at the tip of the root, and that correlated with formation of lateral roots. Now, Miguel Moreno-Risueno in my lab decided to follow up on this. So instead of just looking for a correlation, what he did was he took that same promoter driving now firefly luciferase. And this way he could look in real time at what was happening in the root. And sure enough, he found that there was an oscillating process, oscillating with a period of about six hours. And that that actually produced a little bit of expression after that oscillation. And that was precisely where branch roots formed at each of those points of expression left behind after that oscillation. He then went on to, he figured out how to identify what phase individual roots were in that oscillation, then cut out little pieces at the tip of the root, used those individual pieces for microarrays, and then identified over 3,000 genes that were either oscillating in phase with the initial marker or in antiphase with that initial marker. Of those genes, he found some, mostly transcription factors, that when mutated, particularly combinations of them, had quite dramatic effects on the number and placement of lateral roots, which really closed the loop, started out with a correlation between uh, this potential oscillatory process and formation of lateral roots. He identified specific genes, showed that when you knock them out, indeed, that lateral root formation process was affected. Now, those three examples that I've given you from our work, I think illustrate something of what's happened over the history of biology over the last 30 years. And I feel very fortunate to have been able to participate in these three steps, these three technological, let's call them revolutions, because they really have been very, uh, have been very dramatic changes. The first one was molecular genetics, the use of, uh, of genetic engineering approaches to go from a phenotype to a gene, and from that gene, what happened then, we, we start to look at what's downstream of that gene, and, for, few, and normally that would result in pretty linear pathways, so one thing would be turning on or turning off something else, et cetera, et cetera. From there, the next revolution was the genomics revolution, where we got, we're able to look genome-wide, and we got these long lists of genes, and we could compare them, for example, what we did, comparing them between different cell types under different conditions. But that caused a little bit of discouragement when we made those comparisons. There would always be differences, but the question was, which are really the important genes? Are they the ones that change the most, or are they the ones that, that are linked the most? And so that really led to what I think of as the third revolution that I've uh, benefited from, which is the revolution of systems biology. In systems biology, the focus is on what are the connections between the molecular components. And how does information flow through those networks? So it's the topology of the network and the dynamics of the network. And that's where our initial work on scarecrow and short root was really a molecular genetics approach. Then we did the root map focusing on what are the differences between the different cell types. And finally, our analysis of this oscillating gene process, this what we call the lateral root clock, is an example of systems biology where there's an emergent behavior, something it's some aspect of how those genes are connected to each other, and then how that connection allows information to flow and causes this oscillation, which ultimately causes the placement of lateral roots. That is key to understanding that.
0: You've been listening to Annual Reviews Audio. For 80 years, Annual Reviews has guided scientists through the essential research literature in the biomedical, life, physical, and social sciences. Learn more at annualreviews.org. I'm Anna Westcott-Paz. Thanks for listening.